Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. It is good to be back with you. I know Pastor Caleb uh, just brought you a powerful word, tore it up, and uh, it's just an honor to have the gifts that we have in this church. It's just unbelievable that we can be out and the word is still going forth uncompromised and untarnished, and um, I hope that you value that as much as I do uh, to have those gifts in the body. But if you would, turn with me to Mark chapter 6, Mark chapter 6, and um, we're going to start here and see what God does. Lately on these Wednesdays, I'll get one tangent on a Wednesday night, and it ends up going for like eight months, you know. Not that long necessarily, but, you know, God is just, you know, it's, it's just when you value the word, you just can't get enough. And it, God will reveal just so many wonderful things in his word if you'll love it and value it and, and dig it. The Bible says that the kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in a field. And he's not trying to hide it from you to keep it from you. He's, he's hiding it. To determine your value for it. Because the search reveals the value. How much I dig and how much I go after it. And man, I'm just, I'm not content yet. There's more here and I'm just not seeing it. And that reveals how much you value. You know, the, the, the things that you don't value, they are still lost in your house. And they're still sitting in the couch cushions. And there's un- underneath, I, I don't know, it's somewhere around here. I, I haven't seen it in about three years. And but, you know, when it's really valuable, you're flipping over, flipping stuff over like, you know, we're getting all new furniture. because I'm about to rip this stuff up trying to find that watch or that ring or whatever it is. The, the search reveals the value. And so, you know, we want to be a church that digs in the word, not just the surface stuff that anybody could come pick up. Right. You know, even the devil picks up word that's left on the dirt. Matthew, chapter 13, the thief comes to steal the what? Word of the kingdom, but I want to get that word that's dug deep down because that is what determines my value for it. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about tonight. I want to talk about the subject of honor. Honor is really just value. Uh, the word in the Bible for glory actually means weight, actually means honor. When you give something glory, that means you honor it and, and you value it. And here in Mark chapter 6, we have a story of Jesus. And in verse 1, it says, Then he went out from there and came to his own country. Everyone say, own country. He came to his own country. That would be the the town of Nazareth. That would be his own country. That's where he came from, Nazareth. And his disciples followed him. So could you imagine being a disciple of Jesus, not knowing where he came from? Uh, not n- maybe ever visiting Nazareth or not knowing a whole lot about it and thinking, man, this is where Jesus is from. We're going to see Jesus' home. We're going to meet Jesus' brothers, Jesus' sisters. We're going to meet his mom and his dad. And, and you know, we're going to get to catch up. And, and, and man, because, right, the, the disciples got to see some awesome stuff from Jesus. 
They're getting to see miracles and signs. I mean, he's walking on water. He's stopping storms. You know, uh, uh, Peter can talk about that one time that he got up in his face, you know, and then he called him the devil. And we can all laugh about it now. You know, he called me Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan. That's funny. You know, they're wanting to, they're thinking that, you know, they're going to go back to Jesus's hometown. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, because that's what Jesus did is he would teach and he would preach. And it said, many hearing him were astonished. They were amazed, saying, where did this man get these things? So they're recognizing the miracles. They're recognizing the wondrous things that have been following Jesus's ministry all this time. They, they, they recognize and they see the same signs and wonders. I mean, Jesus didn't show up to Nazareth and then all of a sudden, you know, uh, uh, have a problem communicating and have a problem teaching like he'd always done before. They're like, man, where did he get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? So they're, they're hearing the stories and they're hearing his word being preached. And it says, is this not the carpenter? Isn't that what David's brother did to him when he showed up on the battlefield? Aren't you just a shepherd? It's amazing. No matter how far you go in life, there are some people that always want to take you back and put you back where they found you. Is this not the carpenter? The son of Mary. Now, that's that's an interesting thought, because in Jewish culture, you didn't call people by the the son of the mother, but by the son of the father. Unless maybe you don't know who Jesus's father is, since he came from such a contradictory. Who is Jesus? I mean, you said it was Joseph or you wait. No, you say it was the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Right. The Holy Spirit got you pregnant. We haven't heard that one yet. Controversial. Jesus did not come in, in this thing gift wrapped and packaged for us. Like, here's your Messiah in the perfect scenario that we would all accept born in a power. No, he came from a woman that got pregnant by someone other than the person she was supposed to marry before she got married. And was born in a state. I mean, all these things. Why? So you value the treasure, not for what it has, but for what it is. The son of Mary and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And are not his sisters here with us? So they were what? Offended. Offended at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor. Except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now, he could do no mighty work there because expectation a lot of times determines manifestation. And since there was no expectation, since there was no draw, see, we think Jesus just went about just doing whatever he wanted to do. No, he had people drawing. He had a woman with the issue of blood 
who heard Jesus was coming and heard about the things that he did and said with her mouth, if I can just but touch the hem of his garment. And then she pressed in the crowd. And then Jesus, when he finally got her to speak up and come come, come out of her shyness and say, uh, uh, whoever that was, you need to come forth. And, and then she says, uh, I, I'm sorry. You know, this is what happened. And he said, woman, your faith has made you whole. Your faith. Your faith. So. Where there is no faith, where there is no expectation, we see Jesus for the first time where we read all over the Bible, all over Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus went about all the towns healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease, healing all that were among them, healing all that came to him. The word all in the Greek means all. It means all of it. It means every one of them, not leaving anything out. But now here we are, and it says that he can Do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And this is interesting. It says, and he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he did what? He went about the villages in a circuit teaching. Because when you have someone that doesn't have faith, you have to build their faith up. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So he says, I know how to fix this problem. I'll just teach. I'll teach. That's how you build faith. Faith comes by hearing. We recognize this that many times we are the least honorable with what we are with, with what we are the most familiar. We are the least honorable with what we become the most familiar. And so here we have a a level of familiarity that has shown up, and and this level of familiarity uh, that his. Uh, uh, relatives. And, and, and this is the thing about Nazareth is that Nazareth wasn't very big. In fact, uh, Nazareth wasn't even worth mentioning. The title of my mention, the title of my message tonight is honorable mention. It's not even worth mentioning if Jesus wasn't from there. They, they, they estimate that the town's population was around 150 residents. I mean, that's a dot on the map. That's not even worth bringing up. They, it would have gotten no face time in the Bible whatsoever if, if Jesus himself hadn't have been from there. But you find that Jesus found greater acceptance in his ministry from those who were the furthest away. From harlots and thieves and tax collectors. People that were the furthest away that really had no business having any kind of contact with Jesus in the religious sense. And the ones that he had the hardest time reaching were the ones that should have been the most, should have recognized him the easiest. The Pharisees and his relatives. And but we recognize that, you know, this, this issue of proximity and the, the closer we get, the more something becomes common. And when something becomes common, it's no longer honored. When something becomes common, it's no longer honored. And so the commonness, this is Jesus? Aren't you just the carpenter? And there's always going to be people in your life. As we just said, no matter how far you grow, no matter how far you progress, no matter the the call that God puts you on, the the people that know the most about your past have the least uh, amount of belief in your future. 
the people that know the most about where you came from have a hard time recognizing and accepting where you're going. Because where I'm going is not limited to where I came from. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old has been passed away. It's in the past. So where I came from does not keep me from where I'm going. But people will. A lot of times I see people not press on and not pursue the call of God that's on their lives, not because there's not a call and not because they don't even recognize it, but more because of the people that they continue to keep around them that limit their thinking from moving forward. Because if you're not careful, you will become a product of your environment. If you hang around small-minded people, don't be surprised when you still have a small mind. Don't be surprised when you, when you buck when God's putting you up against a challenge or putting you up against something that's far greater and far more than your capacity or comfortability. And so this, this familiarity, now this is the thing with familiarity, because see, many times we miss the miracle because it's in the mundane. It's in the monotonous. It's in the everyday. So I don't want us to confuse familiarity with consistency because that's the tension that we have to figure out is we have to continue with something without becoming familiar with it. Because the disciples, they got to know Jesus really well, better. The 12 disciples got to know him better than anybody did during his ministry. Forget how close his relatives were and, and, and those kind of things. I mean, these guys got to see him in diapers. These guys got to see him, uh, you, know, uh, uh, at, you know, alongside his father building uh, beds and building chairs and building tables. And, and you know, they saw him running around, uh, you know, back in Nazareth. But now we've got 12 disciples that they get close. But they maintain honor. They maintain a level that even though they were walking with Jesus and dwelling with Jesus and traveling with Jesus everywhere he went, there was still such a level of honor that they maintained for who Jesus was and what Jesus could do. And so we can't confuse familiarity with consistency because we have to be consistent. You have to have the ability to get close and maintain honor. To not treat something as common because you're around it so much. This is what we tell our leadership. Uh, you know, we tell our leadership that you are the ones, you guys are closer to us than anybody else in this church. So you have to work harder to maintain a level of honor. When I came on staff with Pastor Earl, you know, I lived in Pastor, Pastor Earl's house. So I ran a very high risk, a high risk. And honor comes with maturity. Honor is practice. Have you noticed in our culture today that we lack honor? We all see that, right? I was just talking with someone uh, this morning about it. That it, it, it's, it's the automatic knee-jerk reaction to cut down. To make a negative comment. It's... it's, it's, it's disgusting it's it's automatic you have to work hard for every one encouraging comment you can find a hundred discouraging comments 
I mean, I, I you know, on, on Instagram, I can uh, get to ESPN and see uh, what Aaron Rodgers did this past Sunday and, and the comeback he did, but then go to the comment sections and find people cutting him down. And, and it was luck and, you know, if the defense didn't do this and, you know, it was all about his receivers. Why can't you just say, wow, what an awesome job he did? Why do we have to come up with every reason? And I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why most people lack honor. In just a minute, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. I promise. We'll get there tonight, not eight weeks from now. We'll get there tonight. It's amazing. The things that amaze us from far away annoy us up close. I was listening to a pastor preach about this, and I can relate. Because... Anytime my wife is getting ready, I have to go start the car and get it out of the driveway and tell Camden to let's go just to kind of urge that thing along because we could be there all day. The consistency. <laughs> Do it look straight ahead, married men. But this is the thing from far away when I was dating her. Her beauty amazed me. But now I've learned the process by how she gets to look that way. And now it annoys me. I am going to crucify myself and all you husbands are going to be like, not me. Nuh-uh. Y'all going to leave me up here all by myself. But it's amazing the things that we will see from far away, but then we get up close and we find out, this is really what we find out, they're just like me. Or they have struggles just like me. There's nobody on this planet that belongs on a pedestal. No pastor, no president, no individual. And from far away, they can look like they're up there. But the closer you get, the more even and, and the more common ground you share. And you find out, man, you deal with the same stuff I deal with. And you're going through that just like I'm going through this. And, and maybe I could help you just as much as you're helping me. And maybe if we would just have an encouragement about us to say, I need you to encourage me and I can encourage you rather than finding everything wrong with them. But this is what happens is. You know, we, we hate when people come off the pedestal. People come off of the pedestal that we put them on. I mean, right, we, we have pastors falling left and right, shepherding flocks. The pastor of a very large church in this country just recently, this year, pastoring 30 plus years. Just coming out, uh, the alleged things that, that have happened uh, with him and other women. A, a, a pastor in a ministry that other churches and ministries have modeled. Modeled. And the letdown from that. Because the enemy always attacks at the top. Because if he attacks at the bottom, he gets the bottom. If he attacks at the top, he gets all of it. It all comes down. Everybody that believed in him. Everybody that supported him. Everybody that, that, that helped him get started. Everybody that, that man, and, and, and you've got stories. I came to Jesus because, but you realize they're human just like 
That doesn't mean that they don't have a standard. It doesn't mean that I don't stand up here recognizing the level of exampleship and, and, and standard that I have to hold according to the word of God. But at the same time, I'm human. I'll be the first to tell you. I'm human. And when I'm transparent, I'm not looking for people to sympathize. I'm looking for you to recognize that I'm applying. I'm not struggling like you. I'm applying the word like you. That's what you have to see, because people that struggle won't help you. People that challenge and push through and put the word to practice in their lives. Those are the ones that I was there. I screwed up. I messed that thing all up. But I did this and I did that. And look what it did for me. And it will do the same for you. Not looking for sympathy. Sympathy doesn't change anybody. If I share a transparent uh, mistake or a mess up in my life, it's not so you can just, well, I'm good too. Pastor Mark did it, so it must be. No, no, no. I'm saying I've applied the word to my mess up because I don't talk to you about mess ups I'm still messing up in. I'm talking to you about mess ups that I've overcome and I'm working better at. And I may not be all the way where I want to be, but I'm not where I was yesterday. Amen. In John chapter 1, John said this of Jesus. In the New King James, it says that he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. Didn't even recognize him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. The New Living uh, states it this way. He came into the very world he created, but the world did not recognize him. Did not recognize him. And so we have to understand the concept that the closer we get, the more common things can get. And when things become common, it keeps us from its purpose and its effectiveness. A quote that I like to state a lot is where purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. And I believe a lot of times we lose the purpose for something, sometimes based on proximity. I lose the purpose for my pastor because of how close I've gotten. Or I lose the purpose for this friend because now we've really gotten close. Or I lose the purpose in my marriage because now we're intimate. We're the closest relationship there is. But then you can, you, the purpose can become neglected. And so we have to recognize that, that no matter how close. Because see, consistency is, is a thing to be desired. Right. I heard a pastor say one time that maybe the reason why people aren't telling you thank you as often as you think they should is because they just expect you to do it. They you've just been so consistent because if someone has to come to you and makes a big deal about you doing something on time or finishing a project, that probably means you haven't been very consistent in doing that. The translation for thank you for turning that in could be. I didn't expect to get it in this early. So consistency is to be desired. But, but, but there's a reason why there's a lack of honor. There's a reason why there is a lack of, of recognition of the value that people have in each other's lives and even in the relationships that we maintain. Look at this in John chapter 1, skipping on down to verse 43. John chapter 1. 
And this is where I believe it will really come to a head. We, we become the least honorable where we become the most familiar. It said that they became offended at him. Offense. Offense. Notice that the offense only stopped them. It didn't stop Jesus. You need to receive that because you may know someone that's offended at you and you may be sitting back. Well, these people are offending me. I can't do it. No, you can't. You keep driving on. The, the offended, the offense only hurts the offended. They're building their own trap. When you become offended, you are building your own wall. You are building your own cave and you're choosing to live in it. But when you choose to forgive and you choose to let go and you, tr- you choose to hand it over to God and you don't carry offense in your heart, you are heaping on them, the Bible says, coals. You have to stay with the word. You have to stay with what you know. You have to stay with a right heart, right? Got it. JL was working on her heart this, this evening. Got to get your heart right. Check your heart. Check your heart. That's where they, that was the real travesty of the thing. But in John chapter 1, I think it gives us some insight why they treated Jesus that way. And in verse 43, it says, the following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee. And he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. So Philip went and found Nathanael. And Nathanael and, and said to Nathanael, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now look at Nathanael's response in verse 46. Then Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nazareth? That small little town? I mean, Nazareth? Can anything good... See, it wasn't that they were denying what they heard Jesus say and what they saw Jesus do. It said that they were astonished and marveled. The problem was is that they didn't, they didn't believe that it could come from where it came from. Which was from them. From, you mean a guy from here? Is preaching like that? You mean a guy from here is doing those signs? From Nazareth. Nazareth. The son of Mary. The son of Joseph. Well, I mean, we know his brothers. He, he was a carpenter. It wasn't that, that their lack of honor for Jesus was honestly a lack of honor for themselves. And it's difficult to value others beyond the level you value Yourself. That's why Jesus said that the commandment is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. They didn't even value Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And so that's why people look at you 
And they don't think you can overcome alcohol addiction because they couldn't. And they don't think you can be a good mom because they weren't a good mom. And they're never going to believe in you beyond the level they can believe in themselves. You, you, came, you, you, are, you came from this family, and my dad was horrible to me, and I was horrible to you, and you're not going to be good to your kids. And it passes down, and it passes down. I struggle with this, and, my, and grandpappy struggled with this, and now you're going to struggle with this. And when you fight it, and you overcome it, and you start taking steps towards coming out of that addiction, or coming out of that struggle, or you actually go, and you go to college, and nobody else in your family has gone to college, they can't deal with that. And they can't honor that, and they can't value that, because they don't value it in themselves. The key to their lack of honor was because they didn't even value who they were. Can anything good? See, they'll look. They'll look at what you do. You're going to that church? You're doing what? You're, you're playing drums at Anchor Faith Church? They'll see the good. They'll see how you've changed. They, they can't deny what they're seeing and they can't deny what they're hearing because they deny that it could come out of them, they devalue it in you. I'm looking at people today that are going to turn the tide. That you're going to be the stop for whatever environment or whatever culture or whatever unhealthy chaos you came from. I'm telling you today, it doesn't have to stop you. You don't have to stay there. You've got a future. You've got a destiny. You've got a purpose that's beyond where you came from and beyond where you're at. And do not be denied because of the people that deny what's in you. There's nobody on this planet that's done anything great for the kingdom, even Jesus, that didn't have doubters about the quality of what was coming out of them. Where did he get this wisdom? Where did he get this teaching? They marveled. But the problem was they didn't have a problem with where he got it. They had a problem with where he came from. And we're all a product of crazy stuff. We all are. You can look around the room to the right and to the left. There's not one person that just had the perfect scenario. I don't care if your, your parents are still, to get, still together 50. There's something jacked up in there. There's something. It, it happens. to Even Jesus came from jacked up scenarios and situations. Parents, it does not have to be passed to your children. It can stop with you. The addiction can stop. The depression can stop. The diseases and disorders can stop. It has to stop right here. It was passed to us, but we don't have to pass it to them. It wasn't that they couldn't believe what he did. They just couldn't believe where it came from. I heard someone tell me the other day that if people don't think your vision is crazy, then it's not big enough. If your dream and your vision 
Is it knocking somebody out of their chair and make somebody go, what? You're going to do what? It's not big enough. Our dreams, our visions, God's dreams and visions and purpose for our life should not be the status quo and should not be not down to what people can accept and believe. Shouldn't be dumbed down. Don't, don't bring it down to what people think you can do and say you can do. If you don't have a doubter and a denial, then you haven't even started yet. And even Jesus stepped out and had to counter natural attacks from the people that knew him the best. I'm telling you today, the people you thought would be your greatest supporters will doubt you. The people that know all your junk. People will know how much schooling you have and the people that know what's in your bank account and the people that know what happened this time last year and the people that, that know the history and the past. But the thing is, is they don't know the most important thing. They don't know the future. There's only one that knows your future and the only one that knows your future is the only one that can look past your past. Sometimes we're the ones struggling to look past our past. Sometimes we're the one that doesn't have the honor for the gift and the call that God's placed on our life. It's called false humility. Oh, I couldn't do that. I've done way too much. That's false humility. That's Moses at the burning bush. I can't talk. I'm a murderer. I don't have anyone. Running out of excuses. Running out of, and God's answer for him was, I am. And then he left the blank opened because I am whatever you need. I am strength. I am peace. I am uh, overcoming. I am boldness. I am. I am. And so God wants to be your I am. And then you fill in the blank behind that. Who do I tell him sent me? I am. Because you're going to have to tell somebody that I am sent you. Because you're not going to measure up. It's not going to meet their expectation. Isn't it amazing that so many times God will give us what we want in the very thing we reject? It's called a container. See, Jesus had the same container you and I do. Flesh. History. Jesus was a man that knew no sin, but that wasn't good enough for them. His status wasn't built on his sin level. His status was built on what he did, just like our status is today. Occupation and family and background and that's the guy that was born to the to the girl that said she got pregnant by the Holy Spirit. That crazy family over there. I mean, you know, 150 people in the town. You know, they all knew each other. You know, they all talked about. Stay away from the the Christs. I, I don't know what his last name was. So I just went with that. Down the road, 
it's difficult to honor past our insecurities. It's difficult to see others in a healthy way when we see ourselves in an unhealthy way. I'm not, I'm not a counselor. I'm not a therapist. I'm not going to charge you $150 an hour for this thing. I'm just giving you the word. That even Jesus Christ himself, the son of the living God, in flesh, had to move past exterior limitations. Exterior vessels. Exterior containers that we all wear. And rather than rejecting the container, and rather I won't do anything good until I have this much money, and, 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 and I'm not going to be able to fulfill what God has for me uh, until I get in a group where people don't know what's, what's, what's in my past and what I did and where I've been and, and what, I've, what I've done. God is saying, in spite of the container, I will still use what's inside of it. In spite of the carpenter, in spite of the son of Mary or the son of Joseph, or in, in, in spite of this, in spite of that, I'm still going to send this man to the cross, and he's going to save the world. And whether they receive it or not is on them. Jesus told his disciples, don't cast your pearls before swine. It's not your job to try to persuade people that you really are called and you really are. That's not your job. Your job is to walk in the divine calling that God has placed on your life. And then those that accept, great. Those that reject, you walk away. Wipe the dust off of your feet and you go on. Trying to please people and trying to appease man and, and, and trying to live, live up to. You know what I've found? That you can never lift up, live up to man's standards and man's expectations you never can it's, it's it's an endless fight thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today we trust you received a word from god if you enjoyed this teaching be sure to subscribe to our podcast in itunes by subscribing you will be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaith.austin.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.